0: This just in, Cassius Winston arrested for multiple homicides after slaying anyone in Maison Blue. Juwan Howard finds a cheat code, and rumor has it Mark D'Antonio is currently on top of Beaumont Tower, giving everyone the middle finger. We pour one out for George, and of course answer your Twitter questions. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines, Spartans can talk. And oh boy, am I ready to do some chirping about those Wolverines. I'm Mike Jones, joined as always by my friend Kevin Greck. Thank you, of course, for listening. And if we could indulge you in a favor, please share the podcast with the Spartans in your life. Follow us on the old Twitter machine at Spartan underscore pod. And of course, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Those ratings inexplicably help get the show out there. So we do appreciate those who have uh, taken the time to do so. Greg, my man. Jonesy. Are you feeling as high and mighty as I am about that destruction at the Breslin Center?
1: Uh, there's a YouTube channel called RCMB Andy H or Andy H RCMB. Hold on. Let me get this. Uh, MSU Andy HRCMB, uh, that is a must follow for all MSU fans. He posted his own, what is it? 10 minute video, his own sizzle reel of the game. I think I've watched that thing like three times already. Like whenever I have a spare moment, I just like fire up. One, uh, January 5th, 2020, Michigan State, 87, Michigan 69, uh, MSU, Andy, HR, CMB, YouTube. Broop. Okay, there we go. There's all of Cassius's ridiculous plays. Uh, I'm amped. Let's go.
0: Uh, Factor Fiction, have you watched it at a higher rate than you listened to Man Eater by Nelly Furtado when we lived together on Delta Street in East Lansing?
1: Well, uh, clearly not, because... <laughs> 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 Outed. <laughs> Obviously not. Um, everyone, of course, remembers Man Eater from the 2006, 2005 R- Nelly Furtado release. Uh, Loose? Uh, was that the name of the record? Loose? Sure was, buddy. Don't <laughs> yes. pretend like
0: you don't know it.
1: Uh. Anyway, there was a lot of uh, Man Eater. There was a lot of... Uh... Just bangers. It was banger after banger on that album. Oh, my God. Uh, hold on. Nelly Loose. All right. Well, track speaking list. of, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you plug our sponsor. I'm going over uh, to the Nelly Furtado Loose Wikipedia page. I, I got to uh, review this track list.
0: Go ahead. All right. Well, anyway, uh, as always, uh, we are pleased to announce that uh, that Fraser's Pub is our presenting presenting sponsor. Fraser's Pub, located in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on Packard Street, is the oldest sports bar in Ann Arbor. It is a very big big ten friendly crowd, so that means if you are a Spartan, you will not be shunned away unless you were a jerk, in which case you should be shunned because tip your servers folks uh it is is that the
1: only measure of a jerk Those oh, no, that no no, do no. or do not tip their <laughs> servers it,
0: it is it is a strong indicator it is a leading indicator, but you know uh you know who you are if you don't treat the people who serve you in life correctly um But it is one of our favorite places to hang out when we get a chance to get together in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, It has fantastic bar, uh, pub fare, and a wonderful rotating tap selection. We try and uh, tweet out when they have something new on tap. Uh, One of the best things about Fraser's Pub is that every month they have a new beer of the month, which you can get a 23-ounce for the same price as a pint at $4.95, I believe. Again, don't quote me if you go in there. Uh, Do quote me as saying that I sent you, though. Uh, right now, Founders Solid Gold is the beer of the month, which is a pilsner or lager, uh, some sort of, you know, beer tasting mm-hmm. beer that uh, is described by Founders as drinkable. Uh, so if you get a chance, go into Fraser's Pub. Do please tell the manager that Can't Read Can't Write sent you. It would mean a lot to us. More than, more than a, a, an Apple podcast review would mean to us. Uh, so, uh, get, if you get a chance in Ann Arbor, go to Fraser's Pub. It's one of absolutely our favorite bars, and is, uh, we'll will guarantee you a good time to watch any any sports game that you might want to watch.
1: Can you believe that Pitchfork Magazine gave "Loose" by Nelly Furtado a six point four out of ten? That, I mean, that seems low. That seems yeah. low. Yeah, Spin is what we're talking about. Spang gave it four out of five stars. Thank you very much. This was a record that featured "Man Eater," "Promiscuous Girl." Glow, say it right, wait for you, all good things. Produced by Timbaland. We all remember Timbaland, right? That guy was on a roll in the mid 2000s. Oh, okay. Bangers. We need to start a Nelly Furtado podcast <laughs> happening. You know what the name of that tour was called? It's called the Get Loose Tour.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's what you do when you stretch. Uh, That's right. So, folks who maybe are joining us for the first time, this is not a Nelly Furtado podcast, uh, nor is the podcast about... Not yet! uh, ...about Fraser's Pub, though they are a presenting sponsor. Uh, We are an MSU-focused podcast, and we start every week off uh, with a segment we call The Green Wall, where we go over the headlines surrounding MSU sports. We then head off Grand River and cover some of the news around college sports uh, that's not necessarily MSU-centric. Take some of your Twitter questions, and then always wrap it up with a preview of the games in front of us in the week. And boy, howdy, Kevin.
1: Yeah, uh, so now that we built all this Nelly Furtado energy, let's ruin it with this uh, football rumor, shall we? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So in a podcast that, uh, or radio show, depending how you take it, that is obviously not as good as ours, uh, The Graham Couch, the, the columnist for the Lansing State Journal, who is more plugged in than us, admittedly. Uh, reported on, uh, I believe, his Monday show that he'd heard from a source who, he says, has never given him wrong information, that all the coaches were called back from vacation and that they'd all be keeping the job their jobs. The next day, Couch said that includes one coach who was surprised he was keeping his job. Uh, so it, it seems like, you know, whether that coach is the source or perhaps is a second point of confirmation, uh it seems that Couch feels pretty strongly about a sourcing on this though it is not strong enough for anyone to publish it yet in, in any one of the newspapers but he did go to air with it. So things to keep in mind Kevin before we get your reaction uh this doesn't include necessarily any retirements that may be happening and the entire commentary was was very much couched in the in a you know quote hmm? yeah, yeah, I hmm. did the pun, uh couched in a, in a for now, um so you know things could change, but it, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like anyone's losing their job that maybe didn't take retirement by implied necessity. What what, what do you what do you take making of this news?
1: Well, first off, I want to point out that there are two people on this podcast, one very stable genius who said that he only (laughs) expected uh, one or two coaching changes this offseason, which these rumors seem to be lining up to about that effect. And one dope who said that there was going to be a change to the offensive coordinator, which, of course, there is not going to be and never was. So um, I, I think it's a poor way to run an organization just as a rule that if uh, things aren't working and you know you need to change, you just wait for people to leave and then you replace those folks instead of taking the initiative. Um, I think that's shows uh, poor managerial skills, I think, generally speaking. Uh, when you, I mean, it's baked in. To college football, right? To college sports generally, that if a team loses, coaches are going to be on the hot seat. And to the point where one of the coaches was even surprised that they would come back. I mean, this is, this is a staff that D'Antonio has supported for a long period of time, but even some of them thought that this was a bit far. So I, I still kind of expect... There to end up being two or three coaching changes um, I guess you could look at the the ages of the coaches and sort of use them as a proxy for who's actually not going to be back next year uh, but uh, yeah I think this is disappointing no matter how you cut it, right Yeah, if this is true,
0: um, to say that I'm angry is probably an understatement you know it, I've been on record here saying that D'Antonio is smarter than this. He he knows he needs to make a change, and I, I I guess I've also been on record saying that don't be surprised if this doesn't end up looking like firings. That it could be retirements, it could be people moving on to other opportunities, but the fact that it it, it doesn't bother me that there may not be sort of for, uh, publicly forced turnovers. Indeed, I think that the, one of the things that makes D'Antonio potentially endearing to us is that he he handles his business in private and not so much publicly. But what's bonkers to me is to call everyone back and and say that they're keeping their jobs. Now, it, it may be there are side conversations that have happened or whatever, but if if this is... If this is as, you know, air quote reported. Screw that.
1: I mean, we're, we're past. You know how that you know how that meeting should have gone <clears throat> that he called all these coaches back for all the coaches should have come in the room and Mark should have just walked over to a boom box on a table and played Nelly Furtado's all good things in parentheses come to an end from the 2006 banger loose. <laughs> and that should have been how that meeting started and then next he could have played afraid featuring attitude then he could have played man eater and showtime (laughs) and then when he was ready to start dismissing them he could have played say it right and do it (laughs) all of these are actual track titles from the 2006 nelly for release
0: loose Which if we haven't covered is a banger of a banger.
2: Banger. Look, I
0: I I I, I'm waiting to see what ultimately happens here. But if as reported I mean I just I'm I'm disappointed, I guess is the only phrasing I have for it.
1: The only phrasing I have is that if we're waiting for the old old coaches, I guess, to leave it's in God's hands. Also, track 10 from Nelly Furtado's Sluice. <laughs> 2006 release.
0: All right. We need to get you off this track. Uh, we've got no, some Twitter questions about this. Doing this the
1: whole episode.
0: You know, we, we talked about making beer a theme throughout the episode. By the way, today I am drinking Magic Hat number nine. Kevin, what are you having?
1: Uh, right now. So I finished during our, our kickoff. Uh, I finished a Beards, which is out of Petoskey, a Beards Serendipity Porter, which is a lovely uh, Beards Brewery in Petoskey. If you've never been there, uh, used to have this nice little spot in like an arcade type of thing, like arcade, like the old definition of the word arcade, um, where it was like nestled in between two different businesses and it was like a lot of fun. Now they're in like more of a conventional type of uh, a brewery. Um, location in petoskey so not quite the same uh charm but now we're on to the uh the kona big wave which was on sale at costco which is the most middle-aged thing i've ever said in my life
0: oh but i love costco Mm -hmm. so much Anyway, Kevin, let's let's turn on to a happier note uh, yes. in keeping with the the banger track theme we have going on here. Showtime. You know what I love about Magic Hat number 9 is that it has just the right amount of hops. Like it is not too hop heavy. It gets yeah. the job done. Well-rounded, got a little citrus aroma to it. Absolutely a favorite beer of mine. Anyway, Michigan State hoops. Let's Talk so much to talk about so much to just rejoice in. Um, we played two games since we, we last spoke with you all. Uh, we played Illinois
2: crushed
1: mm-hmm. it.
0: Yeah. And then... Do we
1: even have to talk that much about Illinois? Like poor Marcus what? Bingham has this huge defensive showing against Illinois. Uh You know, kind of his like non-scoring coming out party really established himself against Kofi Coburn, who's like a formidable uh, do big we man talk in about, the Big Ten. Do we want to talk about his name? Coburn? What do you want to say about it?
0: That's not how it's spelled.
1: I made a huge mistake pronouncing it before you had the opportunity to last week. Uh, I, that's like my greatest podcast regret, is accidentally teaching you how to ac- properly pronounce Kofi Coburn's name. Yeah, for
0: those who don't know, uh, Coburn has a silent CK inexplicably after Co. Uh, Anyway, uh, the... Yeah, so, yes, Marcus Bingham is the thing to talk about from Illinois, but otherwise that game was merely a precursor to the absolute dominance that Michigan State displayed against Michigan at the Breslin Center. Cassius Winston... Just made Michigan look silly. Yes, uh, finishing I believe with thirty-two point six assists and two turnovers.
1: Yeah, dude scored or assisted on all but eight of MSU's backet uh, baskets in that game. That's it was bananas.
0: It, it it was absolutely insane. And you know you know what was even crazier about his performance is that Xavier Tillman went uh, I believe twenty points, eleven rebounds, mm-hmm. and so played a hell of a game and you wouldn't have known it because Cassius Winston was that on
2: fire
1: the entire game. I saw moves from him that I'd never seen before as someone that I believe I've watched just about every minute of that young man's college basketball career. Like I saw some little moves from him, particularly down in the post, like on just like slashing moves that like I had not seen before. It was we're fantastic. talking Cassius right now, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, the, the way he was able to just—I
0: mean, just probe the court. I mean, he—he'd start at the top of uh, the three-point line and and just weave his way down to the baseline. And I mean, and then it, that reverse layup yeah. was—I I mean, there were highlights in this game, yeah, to the point that I, you know. Just I at one point in time was just standing with my hands in my hair, arms up, just bewildered at the magnificence that I was. seeing. And look, I don't think oftentimes on this podcast we super fanboy out And But this was a, a an unbelievable performance by Cassius Winston. Yeah, dude was
1: filthy. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable.
0: Just deadly. And 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 so deadly that, yeah, Xavier Tillman had a hell of a game. Aaron Henry didn't have a bad game. Gabe Brown had a pretty great game, uh, other than the time that Xavier Tillman yelled at him for not boxing out.
1: Which, we, is that Tom Izzo's favorite moment of the game? Well, he apparently,
0: did, he apparently didn't see it. Uh, mm. Didn't see it until the film the next day. But yes, uh, you know, wanted more Do leadership. Do you think like a team.
1: single tear just went down Tom Izzo's cheek when he
0: <laughs> saw that? My boy's grown into a man. Yes. And, and you know, what... What greater feeling than having Steven Izzo come onto the court against Michigan? I love to, to run
1: the clock out. We can. You know what a better bridge between Xavier Tillman and Stevie Izzo is? Xavier Tillman played 36 minutes and only had one foul, which was intentional, so that Stevie Izzo could, en- could enter the game, so he would stop play, so that Stevie <laughs> could, could come in. That was. Ha- i knew at halftime when tillman had no uh had no fouls at that point which meant that you know he could play just about as many minutes as he needed to in the second half that michigan basically didn't stand a chance it wasn't going to matter what they did uh because xavier was going to play as much of that time as he needed uh pending catastrophic injury of course Uh that told me. And did you get this feeling from this game? There was this weird opposite phenomena that I felt. So, like you were watching it from home and I was there, whatever. But when the Breslin is really going the way that it was uh that night, sometimes you can like get really into the game and it seems really competitive and you get really excited, and then you look up at the scoreboard and you realize MSU's up by 25. I kind of got the opposite. Phenomena. This game, where I thought MSU was blowing out U of M, but they kind of, for the most part, kept it within like ten to twelve. I think they they had it down to like eight or nine at one point in the second half. And so it was like, I mean, that's all Xavier Simpson, by the way, keeping them in it. But it was like a weird thing where like it felt like more of a blowout than it really was until the end, when it was just by all accounts a complete blowout.
0: Yeah, I think to Michigan's credit, they played a pretty good game. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh which <laughs> made the, made the final score all the more impressive. And and it, honestly, the game never really felt in doubt. It it felt fully contested, right? Sure. I mean, it, tip the cap to Michigan. The game felt fully contested. But yeah. it it never felt like they were going to have an answer for Cassius. Though I do get on edge when you when when a player is that dominant, because it seems like that can sometimes change, you know, like the flip of a switch.
1: Oh, they can go cold. And yeah, then there's and so, no one else to really pick it up.
0: Right, and so I, you know, I never really felt completely at ease in this game, and and again, you know. Michigan hustled the entire time. It, it is weird how much kinder I am to them in basketball. Uh, we are just have a,
1: much more, much less unlikable. In well, basketball.
0: let's let's talk about that for a second because a apparently I, I have not watched the, the the press conference from Tom Izzo, but the next day apparently was just beaming with joy, yeah, and, and in a way that. Um, Graham Couch speculates is that beating Michigan has not gotten old for Izzo. No. That it is still very personal to him and that he for takes sure. great pleasure in it. Yeah. But um, let's also talk about uh, Juwan Howard straight up cheating. And I'm not talking about, uh, you know, back in the day. I'm talking about...
1: <laughs> I'm not talking day. about the 90s. I'm okay. talking about
0: 2020. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 20 Yeah, 2020. Uh, so... Look, uh, both, both Izzo and Juwan Howard got teed up. Mm-hmm. Looking at you, Jerberry.
1: One of those, yeah. Jerber <laughs> was the first thing that came to mind when Izzo got teed up because it like dramatically shifted the energy in the game for a second. It was not a good tech. in the way that you could kind of argue that Juwan Howard might have been a good tech because it stopped play.
0: Yeah, so uh, MSU on a fast break, Juwan Howard you were there because it was out of frame on, on the the replay that I saw, uh, but apparently advanced quite far out onto the court.
1: Yes. So I've never seen a coach get as angry at Breslin center as, uh, what's his name? Uh, from, from Iowa, uh, from McCaffrey, except for when, um, great. I'm doing a great job. Matt Painter, uh, screamed back at the E-zone for making fun of Robbie Hummel. Uh, that was fun. Uh, I've <laughs> never seen a coach come so far out on the court ever under any circumstances uh, as Jawan Howard did. Like they were inbounding the ball around him. That's how far out on the court Jawan Howard was. I don't know if he thought that they were in some kind of timeout situation. And then Cassius hits a three that gets called off because Jawan Howard got teed up so it's like and then Cash has only hit one of the two free throws I think so like two lost so it, points on that play
0: yeah you I mean you know if if rules had been reversed I would have said ball don't lie so maybe Juwan Howard had a point but I will say that if this may be a rule because <laughs> he might have stumbled upon a cheat code here that that if there is a, a fast break happening or if uh, you get teed up while the other team has possession of the ball on the, uh, you know, on their offensive side of the court, maybe I mean, that should be maybe that should be a three point. I'm not
1: sure that it's a cheat code because one, the officials should probably just have let the play go until it naturally ended and then called the technical well, uh, because but, it took but... or two, they should have just. They could have thrown him out of the game. Yeah, because what, what
0: happened port. if what happened if he was on the bench that was on the offensive side of play there? Yeah, right? I,
1: I don't know. He basically interfered with the play as it was happening. I don't know. I've never seen a coach get directly thrown out before, but I've also never seen a coach need do what he did. bounded around. So I don't know. I, I don't think that it's a cheat code. I think it's a cheat code because the officials whistled it dead when they shouldn't have. They didn't need to. By the time they whistled it, the play was well down the court. Um but the people in the state of Reslin was reacting to juan Howard. I didn't even realize that that uh that Cassius made that three until afterwards. Um, well I
0: mean cash Cassius, Cassius made that three well after the play had been whistled dead.
1: Still. I mean he was open. It was a wide open three.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he said he took it knowing that the play was dead. Mm. So, I I mean, in fairness, it it, it was insane, but it, you know, which is, but it kind of goes to my point of, like, let's not let people do that. Yeah. Let's, either, either it's an ejection or it's a three-point T. A three-point T.
1: They can't read, can't write three-point T.
0: Yeah, you heard it here, folks. Er, You heard it here, folks, at first, folks. Oh, my God. Beautiful. Magic hats are getting to me. Um, uh, MSU played uh, within themselves. They played uh, systematically. They played connected. They responded to all the defensive changes the U of M made, uh, including half the team was playing zone at one point in time, and
1: the other half was... Not, yeah, credit to Michigan. They did try to do things. Uh, I liked when they went to zone and then Cassius just went, I think he ooped it basically to Tillman, right? Yeah, behind his head. I mean, it it was was just like destroyed just immediately. Um, I think, I mean, it's just kind of tough for Michigan. And not that I, you know, sympathize with them, but with livers out, it's not a good matchup for them right now. There's just not a whole lot they can do. And if you look at Simpsons box score, it looks pretty bad. Six for 18 from the floor, one for six from three. But, like, he kept them in that game. I mean, he played 38 minutes. Um, Should we talk about uh, Rocket Watts? Rocket Watts is sort of, like, in my book, like the fourth best player in this performance, third. I mean, sure. two for three from three point range, I think. Right. Um, played 18 minutes. Always was on. I think he was always on uh, Simpson defensively whenever he was in the game. They did a good job. Uh, MSU did of like throwing Aaron Henry and Rocket Watts at, at Xavier Simpson in a way that really kept him from getting into any kind of uh, any kind of like flow um well and they they made him be a shooter yeah which and you know you're it, gonna it, win it, games it, if you make xavier simpson be a shooter it's unlikely yeah, that he's gonna convert and he took and, the, it, and that's not a knock shot. on
0: him because you know he look i think the the verdict is in cassius is better but that's not a knock on <coughs> on simpson not being a great player he is he's we're a fantastic gonna talk point guard.
1: about uh the little sister chant In a second, we're we're gonna bring that up, but when there was a point at the end of the game when Xavier Simpson was taking free throw shots, and I thought the if the zone really wants to get in this dude's head right now, start a chant for Cassius Winston while he's at the line. Cassius isn't even involved in the play, and you're rooting for this guy that takes his personal rivalry with Cassius very seriously, and clearly was on the losing end of it in this game. Again. Uh yeah. Uh for the fourth consecutive time. So uh I mean I give him credit, but at the same time, I, I liked that he seemed to be taking it very personally and it seemed to really be getting to him. I thought Diazone probably could have gotten to him a little bit more than they did.
0: Yeah, so do you wanna do you wanna give context on the little sister chant? What you know, what
1: happened? I think anyone listening to this podcast knows <laughs> that msu at the end of games msu fans at the end of games against michigan where they're winning like to chant little sister as a response to the whole mike hart little brother thing from 2006 the year that nelly Furtado's loose was uh released right (laughs) no i think it was 2008 or 2009 that he said that So as a, as like a take on that, uh, they say little sister instead of little brother. Uh, and it's sort of been a thing. Uh, I was hoping that it would go away by now, kind of in the way that 300 stuff has gone away. If you'll notice, I think that's entirely gone now. Um, you feel more strongly about it than I do. I don't like it to be fair, but you feel really, really strongly about it, right?
2: Yeah, I, 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 look, you know,
0: I. well, your point is, and I think that's the, the first place to start, is that it's, it's hack. Mm-hmm. It, it's just not funny. It's, it's not good. It's bad comedy. It's not, it's it's not creative. Bad it, comedy. You're, 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 it's derivative. Like, so it's just, it's bad from that standpoint. But I, I don't want to speak for you, Greg, but at least for me, gendering, winning, and losing is wrong. It, it is insulting to women, period, because by implication, you are, you are a derivative of little brother, so therefore you've decided that little sister is somehow worse. And also, for any young women or children who might be in the stands who might want an explanation as to why is everyone chanting little sister, what are you going to say to them other than Oh, they're saying it because they're implying that they are both younger and a girl, and the implication about being a girl is that they are not good at sports or not as good at sports or whatever. And I, I just, I, I think we all deserve to listen to marginalized voices, and that includes women. And it is, it is textbook insulting, but I know women find it insulting. Maybe not all of them. But plenty of them do. And so we owe it to people to listen to when they say, hey, this isn't right. And so I'm, I'm disappointed in the Izzone because—
1: It's not just the IZone though. It's, it, the... it,
0: it, it's everybody. You're right. There, yeah. there are plenty of people who are not in the IZone who are standing up for it on Twitter. And I got no time for that. I got no tolerance for that. It's not cool. It's not funny. It's not unique. And it is insulting to women. And by the way, go ahead and chant little sister to Serena Williams. Like, I I dare you. Like, it just, it's because any, or any one of you, especially you dudes on Twitter who might be defending this nonsense, I dare you to try and play one-on-one with any one of the women who are on the MSU Spartan basketball team. You can't. You would be destroyed. So I just, let's cut this shit out. Women are fantastic. They're amazing athletes and, and their accomplishments should not be diminished as inferior to men. And
1: that's all I got to say about it. And then also it's just hat comedy. So if you can't get it up for any of that stuff that I agree with with Jonesy, it's also just, just not a good joke. So we can do better than that. Uh, I gave one example of how I thought we could do better than that, uh, already. Uh, so hopefully, I mean, i this is a chant that's been around for a while now, but I don't think I've seen the the backlash to it quite in the same way. So hopefully we're moving in the right direction and retiring the little sister thing.
0: To your point, Winston's better would be a better chant.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And you're right. It would get absolutely under Simpson's skin. Yeah. Great. Um, you want to comment on the the league or you want to say that to previews?
1: Well, we're going to do that off Grand River, I think. Okay. Um, all right. So, uh, Kevin, our yeah. first not sponsor for the day. Yeah. Uh, this is really exciting. We're breaking new ground, and it's perfect. You know that we were just talking about this game, and now, and now we're we're leading into this not a sponsor segment. Um, like I said, huge, huge, huge day for Cambry Can't Write because we're teaming up with John Teske right now. We're pioneering the name, image, and likeness. Uh, the, the, new frontier can't read, can't write John Teske name, image, and likeness. And let's be honest, John Howard, he's never had any problems with, uh, players getting paid. So, uh, <laughs> all works out. So you guys, John Teske has this to ask. You've heard of the seven minute workout, right? Well, we can beat that. John, John Teske is a division one athlete. So we're teaming up to introduce the 24 minute maximum workout. Guaranteed to make sure that you drag ass by the end of basketball games. (laughs) Do you have fellow starters who play 30, 38, 30, and 36 minutes? Let's not do that. 24 sounds nice. Let's be done at 24. Because 24 minutes plus five fouls equals 29, which is like close to those guys anyway. So so join Can't Read, Can't Write, and John Teske on the 24-minute A.K.A. 25 would mean that you just die on the court. Dragon ass workout.
0: Hey, look, man, if you're seven foot, I feel like 24 is.
1: Oh, that's even better. 24 minutes plus five fouls plus seven foot. I mean, that's 36. You're right up there.
0: It's almost like you're a starter. Yep. You've uh... got just as
1: many minute units as Eli Brooks at that point.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we thank John Teske, we thank him for being a pioneer, and we thank Juwan Howard for standing idly by as players get paid, uh, and we want to move off Grand River. Uh, talk about everything else going on in Big Ten basketball for a moment. Last week, let's start, Kevin, with last week you had teased some nonsense about Maryland and some yeah. twin brothers, and we, we heard from some listeners that, who were like, what's going on over there?
1: Uh, fill us in. Yeah, okay, so we'll do this quickly because it's kind of old news, but. Maryland basketball brought in a pair of twins uh, this season. Two twin freshmen, McKeel and Mikhail Mitchell. That sounds Uh, Russian. I don't know. Uh, I've never heard their names called both because uh, I haven't watched a whole lot of Maryland. They didn't play when I did. Um, Speaking of which, only one of them really actually played. He was like a big time recruit. I think McKeel was that one um and the other one was like sort of a middling three-star recruit um now they left the team or whatever the circumstances were on a friday and they made a pretty standard statement about appreciating the program and mark turgeon just deciding that it was in everyone's best interest to move on mark turgeon did similarly uh but then their mom maria mitchell took to twitter and she spilled the tea a little bit. Maria Mitchell oh did. Oh, boy. Uh, she, uh, she encouraged uh, fans to read between the lines of all of the statements. She told people not to trust Mark Turgeon. She said that her boys were forced out by Mark Turgeon, who only wanted one of them, but took both because he thought that he needed to. Uh, so she uh, she dropped the tea everywhere, and she dragged Mark Turgeon at the same time. So it was... Uh, it was a nice little uh, little time to be a Maryland uh, terrapin uh, while that was going on. I think I saw that those guys have landed somewhere at this point uh, already. I don't know where, but uh, um, but yeah. So it, 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 we, there's a little uh, little action going on uh, in Maryland and other parts of the Big Ten. A team that's well, supposed to be like A tier, B tier. So I
0: I think it's fair to say that no one should trust Mark Turgeon because he's a terrible coach and that uh if anything she's just i think it's is proactive she is helping start to make their case for a transfer you know yeah you don't to have to sit that year out uh um, perfect so let's talk about the rest of the big 10 yes um you give me some details but eight teams eight of the what 13? Right? Uh, 13 right 13 14 14 sorry 14 okay. eight of the 14 teams Sometimes you forget about Nebraska. Um, I like it's
1: Nebraska. It's not Rutgers. It's Nebraska.
0: Well, uh, Rutgers currently tied for second in the Big Ten in basketball. That's so true. And, and, and Rutgers doesn't sell themselves as something they're not. Uh, <laughs> anyway, eight of the Big Ten teams are in the Ken Palm top 30, and Illinois sitting just shy at number 31.
1: That's right. And to give that some... Context. And, and fill,
0: fill people in again, just in case they don't know what Ken Palm is.
1: So Ken, Ken Palm is a statistical, it's a it's a math rating system of all of the college basketball teams, not just the top 25 uh, that are available from the coaches in the AP poll. So just to give it some context, and again, this is mid-season, this isn't the end, end of the year, but for the most part, you can consider Ken Palm top 40 teams to basically be tournament teams. So what that means right now is that in the Big Ten... About eight or nine of the teams, if the season were to end right now, would be considered of tournament caliber, which uh is pretty good when you consider that the big Ten tends to get six, seven, eight bids at the maximum um now that does include some teams that have things going on like Purdue, which we'll cover because mSU plays them on Sunday, but it gives you some context of like, okay, so maybe we're not sure how spectacular some of the teams are Ohio state still Ken Palm ranked really high Michigan's Michigan and the aforementioned Maryland are also I believe in the top 10. let me check that right now. Um, yeah, Ohio state's four, Maryland seven, Michigan is 19. They're down to 19. Um, but it gives huh. you an idea of kind of how strong the Big Ten is right now, which did win its uh its preseason tournaments, uh, the ACC and the uh, and the other one, the, uh, the Gavitt Games, the Gavitt Games. That's right, Kevin. Our you to Gavit. the Gavitt Games. Yeah, I mean we we took a out a sponsor from them. I, I should have known. I should have remembered. Uh, while we're on the subject of Kempom, MSU Kempom offense number one in the country. Uh, so that's exciting. Number three overall, number one offense.
0: I love it. Um, you know, uh, moving on a little bit, a lot of uh, a lot of college players are announcing that they're going to go pro, and uh, you know, it's not just college players. Big news: Matt Rule, who was a theoretical replacement for Mark D'Antonio if he decided to retire, and by theoretical I mean fantasy, yeah. is reportedly headed to the NFL, where he'll coach the Carolina Panthers for a cool sixty million dollars over eight years with an additional ten million in incentive based compensation.
1: I mean is that for guaranteed Matt.
0: money? Sixty mil, yeah. I don't know what his buyout is, but yeah.
1: I mean, so if things don't work out for Matt Rule and he's shown the door, he's still getting seven point five mil a year after that? Cause if you're a fired coach, you're not getting any incentives, I I imagine. I mean, some of these coaching contracts for the NFL, getting up there, I mean, the, the, the seven, eight, nine. I mean, 10 it's not Saban
0: money. It's not Harbaugh money.
1: Uh, isn't seven million exactly Harbaugh money? I thought Harbaugh was eight, but you are fine. Uh, I, it's not. I, it's
0: not Saban money.
1: Whatever it is, uh, uh, these coaching contracts are getting getting pretty high. Um, I wonder what they're what? paying folks in the XFL. Well, XFL coaches, that's a fantastic segue
0: because uh, XFL rules are are a little bit uh, more clarified lately, and we're not going to run through all of them, even though we I I took the time to outline them. Uh, Kevin says that there's too many there, but there are some interesting
1: XFL rule book on PDF and have it available for when it comes February and you're ready to sit down and watch these XFL teams go at it. Looks all
0: right. So here I'll give I'll give some quick highlights.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Kickoffs are going to be super interesting. Kickoffs and punts are going to be super interesting. Kickoffs will be interesting because uh, both teams are lined up only five yards apart from each other, mm-hmm. and neither team can move until the ball is in the air for three seconds or is caught, whichever comes first.
2: Mm.
0: So it's going to reduce high speed impacts. Also, punts that go out of bounds or into the end zone are gonna be placed at the 35-yard line. So no more like kicking it into the corner and getting a quick out. The fun really starts though at extra points. No more kicking an extra point. After a touchdown, a team gets to elect. Elect. Like you declare this nonsense.
1: You just hold up a sign that says one, two, or three, basically. Yes.
0: They get to choose how many points they want to go to go for. One, two, or three. A one-point attempt happens from the two-yard line. A two-point attempt happens from the five-yard line. And a three-point attempt takes place from the 10-yard line.
1: I like this because didn't college football move up the, the extra point line of scrimmage to try to entice teams to go for two more often? It just sort of so. haven't, hasn't happened.
0: Pro, pro moved uh, the extra point back. Uh, farther away so to, to potentially incentivize um didn't really do anything either the math so get was... rid of it get rid of it yep. Make it more interesting uh,
1: um
0: also forward passes uh you get two of them two forward passes So as long, long as you're as... behind
1: the line of scrimmage
0: yep uh and then i think uh so the some other cool stuff uh it's one foot in bounds for a catch like college Uh, skill players will have headsets, uh, to the coaches or, you know, or or mics in in their ears and those will be available to the broadcast. Now, if I was a coach, I'd be dropping F-bombs the entire time I'm talking to players just so that my stuff doesn't get broadcast. Um, I think,
1: uh, someone in, in the football media just made a joke about how they used to do that when they were mic'd up. Um, who was it? I don't remember. Who cares? Continue.
0: Um, last, uh, but I think maybe most exciting is that overtime will be handled like a shootout. Each team will get five plays from the five yard line in which they, they have, it, it's a score or don't score situation. And so it's, uh, you know, you shoot for the end zone if you make it great. If not, it doesn't count next play, yada, yada, yada. Except if there's a defensive penalty, in which case the ball moves to the one yard line, but for the rest of your shootout, if there's a second defensive penalty, counts as a score. I love this. This is exciting overtime. This is equitable, which is, I, I don't feel like the NFL is. Yeah, that's in is, the news
1: right now for the NFL. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it is not the slog fest that, that college football sometimes can be. So I'm all about this. The XFL seems to be taking player safety right, but being innovative in some fun places. And I'm all about it. One, so.
1: one observation. Overtime rules injecting a little soccer in this football going football Two. what do you think if some of these rules prove to be very beneficial to the game overall, do you think the NFL would adopt them or do you think they're too proud?
0: I think it depends on if the XFL actually takes off. And look, I am assuming he's going to end up actually playing. I'm looking forward to watching some Connor Cook with the Roughnecks on Saturdays.
1: There were elements of the original XFL that ended up being incorporated into regular football, like the the sky cam, like the, sure, the camera sure, okay. over the over the field on at big games and all NFL games. That's from the XFL. Uh, there's another small thing that was borrowed from the XFL, but like. Something big like overtime. Let's just acknowledge that overtime in the NFL is flawed. It's stupid. To a lesser degree, college football. If something similar to this is better, do you think the NFL would either be willing to adopt this entirely or adopt something similar, like just barely different so they can claim that it's not the same thing?
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Because, I mean, they are uh, thirsty for ratings in the same way that we are. So absolutely.
1: I hope so. I hope that they would. Anything to make the games better.
0: Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, Let's move on to our next, not a sponsor, Kevin. Mm. Um, Our Twitter questions today, which are coming up next, are brought to you by the Roy Williams Jr. Motivational Speech Seminars. Roy Williams Jr. wants to know, are you a coach, a manager, a teacher, an administrator? Do you need in your life to motivate those who report to you? Well, Roy Williams Jr., famed head coach of the University of North North Carolina men's basketball team, is touring the country teaching folks how to motivate young people. His seminar will cover such topics as how to book radio time, how to call out people publicly with no forum for retort, public shaming, history shaming, and how to not take accountability for the fact that the people working for you are your responsibility and that you brought them into the organization. Roy Williams Jr. is prepared to tell you how to do all of these things. And if you don't do it well enough, he'll take to a radio show and tell you that you're not very good. Particularly if you're like 18 to 22. (laughs) Roy Williams. Manhood. Motivational speeches. Being the bigger person. Thanks, Roy Williams, for uh, sponsoring... Our Twitter question segment today Manor. and German <laughs> manhood. Uh, Greg, first question is from someone who we missed last week. So we'll get to his, uh, My apologies. his last. Yeah, it was your fault. Uh, but Alex Plum, dear, dear friend of the pod, mm-hmm. and of who has been, who's actually sent some really solid questions uh, and some solid links, asks us. Do we have a, a preference uh, for notable MSU play caller catchphrases? Will Tiemann? Tiemann. Teeman. He Tiemann? got yeah. it! He got it! Or George Blaha, touchdown MSU!
1: Well, uh, Alex Plum, uh, as you know, Will Tiemann is unlistenable radio, so I'll never give him credit for anything, and George Blaha wins this by default. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and plus, just
0: touchdown msu is uh it's great it's It's perfect yep it's Um, very good next question from plum which that was a solid question by the way uh next question is do we have a feeling for foster lawyer that he used to have for drew neitzel and he says mike i think you know how much i felt for drew neitzel kevin are you prepared to answer this question about drew neitzel
1: i'm prepared uh, I think Foster's coming along. We can be excited about him, uh, and I, I look forward to seeing uh, several more years with uh, Foster Lawyer on the team. What about you, Michael?
0: So as much as I, um, as much as we relied upon Drew Nitzel, and and we've talked about the Nitzel play on this show. Mm-hmm. The I run around eight screens and then shoot a three, and that's the only play we run. Um, I never cared for him much. And then, you know, came for personal reasons to despise him more. And and so I, I feel for Foster in a way that I never felt for night soul. Um, (laughs) Foster's the guy that I just want to succeed. And I am loving that he's been on freaking fire lately. And so if Foster can, I mean it, being a 60% free th- uh, three point shooter is not realistic. But if he can hover around 45, oh my god. That guy is going to carve out a place. For sure. Do you think?
1: Run him off the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Get him open, get him up in looks. Uh
0: next up, 4. Alex Plum says, "How badly did Lurghi hurt his draft odds with his performance?" I believe uh he was re- referring to the uh Uh, maybe uh, maybe yeah uh, though his bowl game performance was pretty good so maybe we should just talk generally uh about his performance this past season
1: well yeah i think it's got to be worse right uh there was a time where i told someone that brian lower he was going to be an all big 10 quarterback uh i wish we could take we all thought we all thought it would be after that 10-3 season yeah yep um he's got uh I think at one point said that you said that you would be more critical after he, he's sort of left the program. Are you willing to take this opportunity now to be more critical of Mr. Lowry?
0: Yeah, all right. I mean, yes. It, I, I don't think Brian Lowry was a very good quarterback. I, I, I know he broke those records, but I, I, I've texted you. I don't know how he did. Mm-hmm. I mean, his accuracy was below sixty percent, and even on completions, they the, the balls oftentimes weren't put where they should be, and and as much as the the wide receiver core this past year got flack for not getting yards after the pass, I'm not convinced that most of the time it was their fault. So, look, Brian Lewerke is seems to be a really awesome guy, uh, someone who. I, despite what I just said about him, wouldn't mind getting a beer with, and and I wish him a a very long career in the NFL. Um, he never lived up to what we hoped he would be after that that uh, sophomore campaign.
1: Part of why I don't think that Rocky Lombardi is the answer is that he never really pushed Brian Lewerke, and Brian Lewerke was not that spectacular quarterback for the team. So, agreed.
0: Um, that's a, that's a fantastic point. If 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 Rocky Lombardi was the guy. I think either Brian he could le- have been the guy this season. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, all right. Uh, next question from John Hubbard. Uh, if the rumors pan out that D'Antonio keeps all of his staff on board, how are you going to commemorate it? Brick through a window, scream into the void,
1: stay with the classics and torch a couch. Great I question, got a couch. John. I got a couch ready. I got my Mark a D'Antonio couch? keeps his staff couch? couch. Yeah. It's ready. Uh, I just got to figure out where to torch that thing. What are you going to do?
0: Um, I'm debating if if my sentiment is a diapers, road trip, tear down the John Hanna statue level of anger. <laughs> now, uh, for, mean...
1: for people that have not listened to every minute of every podcast, diapers, road trip is, of course, an a esoteric reference to that case where the astronaut lady had to wear diapers to take a trip <laughs> to Florida to be a, a crazy person. Um, I, I, that's I thought what, you would... That's what <laughs> I Michaels thought you went
0: from to. Florida to Houston. I thought it was Florida of was work. involved clearly. <laughs> of That's all we
1: know for certain. Uh,
0: look, I, I, John, I, I don't know, man. I, you know, I would say I would get a nice bottle of tequila and just drink it, but I don't want to waste that anger on a nice bottle of tequila. So probably just garbage whiskey. Like I, i don't know man i don't have i don't have words i'm angry i'm angry i'm angry all right uh next up from ct and tc on a scale of one to ten what is your confidence level in bill beekman for those who don't know we have had bill beekman white bread as a not a sponsor so that is our confidence level in bill beekman greg yes you got a number
1: we we do have a a financial relationship with bill beekman of course uh but with that said i you know i have to be honest with the audience uh i'm gonna give this a solid two uh in fact bill beekman if you uh go back to his press conference when he accepted the job uh said that he himself was surprised and that his friends would be surprised that he was uh asked to be a uh, permanent uh athletic director which is um, what
0: a moron yeah
1: not uh i remain surprised well i'm not surprised because i know how it happened and why it happened and the personalities and the administration that were involved with it. Not personally, but we all know. Um, A two, the man has a built in parachute in his contract because everyone thinks that he won't be there forever, but it's also hard to get rid of him because it would, (laughs) because there's so much else going on. So two solid two. What do you got? Just, he was appointed by John Engler.
2: I, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Dude looks like a moron. Hasn't done
0: anything for the athletic department that I can tell of. And other than apparently make the paperwork move. And yeah. All right. He did
1: get rid of a rowing coach, I think. Uh, also, John Engler at cool. the game. At the game on Thursday.
0: Cool. All right, next up from Raymond Chains. Raymond, coming in hot with some great questions, and we appreciate you being a new staple to the Can't Read, Can't Write Twitter question crew. Um, He asks, State always puts on exhibitions against D2 and D3 programs. Would you like to see the shoe on the other foot
1: with MSU taking
0: on a G League or an NBA team?
1: This is how good this question is. Jonesy and I have already sort of half debated this. I think the talent differential between a D2 and a D3 program and MSU is smaller than the ta- talent difference between MSU and a G league team. And Joe, I respond "You disagree.
0: Do you think MSU could take on a team of Nick Ward's to which you said is Nick Ward in the G league and then Googled it and found out he is. And I think Nick Ward is not that complete of a player.
1: Dude, the G league players are pros though. They're pros. You, see, you know how hard Kevin, it is to play in Kevin, the NBA? No, Kevin, if name, image, and likeness could, it could get passed, then
0: these players would be pros at some level. And by the way, they are at some level being compensated, not the way that they should be, to be clear to listeners, but at some level are being compensated for
1: playing basketball. Well, I mean, if you look at G League salaries, there are some football players for Alabama that are going to be paid more than them like immediately as soon as this passes. So that is true. But when you look at a G League roster, it's like very notable former college basketball players, stars are on each one of those teams. It's a better basketball product. Um, Fine. But MSU has
0: at least. Three pros on the floor in their starting lineup. I'm just saying that I agree with Raymond that the shoe on the other foot, that is to say, that MSU is outmatched, right? Like, he's not saying that this is a fair fight. Would I enjoy seeing MSU take on a G League team in an exhibition?
1: Yes, absolutely. That would be fun. And because you know what? If it's close, hell yeah. (laughs) Like, look at our boys. The outcome would be, at the very least, similar to the score outcomes between MSU and the Division II teams, except for that one time where MSU lost to Grand Valley. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Game.
0: Next question from Raymond Chains. Uh, as much as I enjoy MSU wrecking U of M on the court, we did too, uh, it's far more satisfying just to watch MSU beat those horrible people on the ice or the field. It feels a touch more personal. Do you agree?
1: Um, on the ice or the field. So Raymond Ja Raymond chains prefers football and hockey. Is that what it is? Is it because those are the sports with physical contact and hit in like explicit hitting? Is that why? Maybe. I do. I, I, I do. I, I mean, what is the ratio of basketball wins to a football win? We
0: are. Like, I think we are in, um, in that ratio right now. Four I mean, four, yeah. F- yes. I, I think that's a fair, you know, making them lay an egg last year was pretty close. And then dominating this last time. Yeah. I, I feel like we've, we've made the, the bragging rights are at the same point right now. Okay. Um I, I would tend to agree with him. I, I don't have the personal connection with hockey. I I mean, and, and we're maybe climbing back to the place where I can start to feel that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, beating, beating U of M at football is the sweetest feeling. And, and it is more personal. And maybe it's because even, even us up top we're we're kinder to U of M basketball. And, by the way, when we talk about those horrible people, we have CT and TC interacting with us every week. And I, I like the dude, Cam, looking at you despite your name. Um you know so more doxing.
1: Doxing every yeah. week.
0: Yeah. <laughs> His name's Cam. Don't know the last name yet. We'll get it. We'll share it. Um but yeah, I, so I, I would agree Starts with a
1: T. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Uh next up from Raymond. Uh I might agree with one year contracts for every coach, provided demonstrably unsuccessful and overpaid coaches are subject to whipping. Is that too harsh? <laughs>
1: Uh, look how it's written in the contract. Like, yeah, okay. You're, you're going to get it overpaid. And it's going to be a one-year contract. But if you don't meet these performance thresholds, that's a whipping or a paddling or whatever. Um, I think I
0: think what makes more sense is a two-year contract with a one-year whipping <laughs> provided, you know? Because uh, otherwise you just fire them unless you're Mark D'Antonio.
1: On the day of the whipping, does someone go into the break room and cover up the OSHA posters? <laughs> like, these don't apply today.
0: And Spartan Vision is there recording the whole thing. <laughs> uh, I, uh, yes, too harsh. Firing is appropriate. They get compensated such that they should just be, be comfortable with losing their jobs. Um, Agree? Yeah. Yeah, all right. It was Jer-Bear a good up next. Great job, Brandon yeah. Chains. Yes. Jerbear is up next, asking, overall, does Twitter help or taint
1: your your enjoyment of sports specifically? Jerbear was worried that there wouldn't be an after-dark moment, so he built one in. Um, okay. I try to stay away from MSU social media during matches.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of taint uh, with... Uh, it, watching games and being on on the Twitters, I, you know, on, on behalf of Can't Read, Can't Write, tried to be on during games because, you know, I have the unfortunate situation where I'm not able to be at games. And I can honestly say that this football season was made worse by MSU Twitter. That said, uh, my overall enjoyment of MSU sports has gone up because of msu twitter Mm -hmm. so the fact that we've gotten to know all of you has has genuinely been a delight you know we've had a couple of you on the show we hope to have more of you on the show um it's i feel like i'm i have made friends that i would have never expected to make and so for that i think that's a good
1: thing msu twitter mirrors twitter generally it's a Usually just like a barren hellscape, but then there's a little oasis every once in a while. Um,
0: And during, not during games, MSU Twitter is a delight. So, yeah, sure. um, For the most (laughs) part, unless it's about recruiting, see our tweet earlier. Um, All right. Upper Deck Jerk Guy, mm. whose, uh, whose bio line has uh, changed to providing content to Spartan podcasts for too long, uncompensated maybe content, uh, and we thank you for it, buddy. Um, blank check question. If you had near unlimited funding source, what would you do with Michigan State Athletics?
1: I hearken back to the same uh, Red Cedar message board image that I've referenced already on this podcast with the Spartan statue built up like the Statue of Liberty overlooking Spartan Stadium. I would fund that project.
0: Yeah, that too. Uh, I would uh, build a an amazing football facility. I would build a an amazing general athletics facility and. I would pay for offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators like the sec does because whether we like it or not, football brings in the bucks. So uh, that's what I would do with my money. Um, He also asked, what do you think an average fan can do to help Michigan state athletics quote unquote, reach higher other than donating to the Spartan fund?
1: So this is a oddly since I'm interpreting this as a very sincere question. And I would encourage MSU fans to go to non, you know, like top level games, not just football and men's basketball games, but go to a, a volleyball game at Jenison Fieldhouse. Go, uh, uh, you know, I'm fortunate that I live in East Lansing. I've gone to a couple baseball games, a couple softball games, a couple men's and women's soccer games. It's still fun. Uh, and it can be a really good experience going to these, not what you perceive to be top level games, um, and they're affordable. So if you've got a family, uh, it does seem like a number of our listeners do, uh, it can be easy, much more easy than a football game or a basketball game to get everyone in there, have a good time, uh, and support a team that doesn't draw the same crowd that the other teams tend to. What do you think? Yeah, I would
0: agree. And, and, and particularly if you want to place your money in, in somewhere in particular, hockey is a solid place to do it. It's an expensive sport. So you're defraying costs overall. It's a place to get excited now. And, and the other thing I would say is continue to be a fan. You know, we are in a moment now where it's easy to be wrapped up in our displeasure for a particular head coach. But there are a lot of Student athletes that you can be fans of and continue to be very supportive and and so particularly on Twitter, I would try and encourage anyone who happens to be listening to maybe try and walk that tightrope a little bit better. That you can be displeased and you can still be supportive, and um, those things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. Because you know what I'm going to be freaking psyched when football rolls back around, even. Though I am super angry about Mark D'Antonio right now, so both things can coexist. Uh, Next question from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy: Hop Slam, Sweet Sweet Nectar, or Overrated? This is interesting.
1: Uh, I think we're we're clocking Upper Deck Jerk Guy more and more things. I I like a Hop Slam. This is the Bells Hop Slam, right? Uh, Or is it Founders Hop Slam? Founders. Founders. Pardon me. It's good. Yeah. Uh, I'll go Sweet Sweet Nectar. It's not the. You no, know, bells, bells, bells. Okay. I'm not going to push everything out of the way for it, but if someone's given me five options, Hop Slam would almost certainly be in the top half, regardless of whatever the five options are. It, Wrong. It's overrated. Fan, huh? Oh, I'm over.
0: Look, I'm overrated on anything that's an IPA that is like hops, man. Like, I'm just. Give me a beer that is balanced. Hopslam is indicative of the race to be hoppier than the next person. It is not sweet, sweet nectar. It is swill. I'll take a Miller Lite any day over a Hopslam. No, no joke. Next question. Who is the best James Bond? Great question.
1: I think we're supposed to say Connery here, right? Uh, Or Craig. I'm going to go Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan, maybe it's because I grew up with him. Maybe it's like the SNL yeah, no, thing.
0: It is definitely a formative years thing. Yeah, I, I, I know because there's that instinct in me to say that too.
1: But Goldeneye is so good. Yeah, but the game made it better. That's also true. Yeah, the game is good and the movie is good. Um, but it's probably Connery. We're just going to say I'm going to say Connery. Brosnan, Craig, Dalton. Oh, wait, Craig is third. The problem is with with the Daniel Craig movies, the more recent Bond flicks, I kind of agree with the criticism that they're not even Bond flicks anymore. They're just like thrillers with James Bond as a character in them. That's like saying
0: the Dark Knight trilogy is not really a Batman movie.
1: Yeah, I also have problems with the Batman
0: movies wow we well, are not going to get into your movie opinions i would say it's either connery or craig and i i think that they're uh craig may be the beneficiary of better filmmaking
1: sure uh, yeah uh, pierce brosnan had some he i mean he wasn't directing these but some of them were, were bad very bad. yeah
0: uh next up what non-spartan basketball team should people root for
1: uh, we were talking about this. I came up with, uh, Oregon, they're a fun team to watch and they beat Michigan, uh, yep. at Chrysler.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I would also say Dayton would be a fun one to watch. Uh, they're exciting. I don't think that they make a far run in the tournament. ESPN actually had a really great article and that's a lot for me to say about ESPN, um, looking at, the metrics that would lead for a a long tournament run. And they are both uh, free throw uh, shooting percentage and defense. Uh, They got a serious problem on the free throw line, but they're a fun team who might get lucky at the right time. And so it would be a fun one to watch. The other one I'd say is Seton Hall because Miles Powell, hell of a player. And you got to root for them to be as successful as possible because it makes us look better. So those would be my two. Watch. One Uh, of these teams
1: is going to knock MSU out of the tournament. We're going to hate ourselves. uh,
2: It's
1: not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Don't worry. um,
0: So next question is what, and last question, what college basketball team flops the most? uh, What player in recent history? um, Sue Oros actually responded to this question with Brad Davison, and I think she is spot on with
1: that. Uh, Kevin, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, I think you could just expand that to all of the white guys in the Big Ten. <laughs> Do all <laughs> of the flopping. <laughs> so uh, whatever the whitest college basketball team is, flops the most, and uh, that's, that, that would be my answer. Yeah. It, usually Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: all right. Uh, our last not-a-sponsor today is a returning not a sponsor, and we are so thrilled he is back. It, is, it has been a banner day for him. He got upstart by the president a little bit, but Brady Hoke, big promotion, back to his old job before he took the Michigan job, head coach of San Diego State University, and wants to remind you about his wireless headset. He is promoting his wireless headsets. He wants to let you know that they are so... Light and free, you won't even notice they're there. They're never a distraction, never any feedback. In fact, they are so freeing, you won't even feel like you're hearing the other coaches on your team. And they'll never, ever get in the way of your thoughts. So Brady Hoke, wireless headsets, returning not a sponsor. We're very happy for Brady and wish him nothing but the best to represent the amazing blue and pioneering Technology and coaching. Brady Hoke, wireless headsets. Kevin, let's move on and close this show out with a preview of what we've got coming up. Two games. Uh, we've got Minnesota uh, today when people hear this.
1: Potentially. And then, or in the past, depending.
0: Yep. And then uh, heading on the road to at Purdue. Uh, what do you got?
1: Yeah. So Minnesota, uh, currently two and two in the big 10. Wait, so that means,
0: that means Rutgers is higher in the big 10 than Minnesota. That's right.
1: (laughs) Got it. You put everything in Rutgers terms. Uh, Rutgers is the center. Um, Minnesota biggest win of course, is against Ohio state. Uh, that happened several weeks ago. Now, they also have a home win against Mm -hmm. Northwestern, uh, Two losses, though, Iowa away and Purdue at way away. So kind of like all the other teams in the Big Ten. It's like they're winning their home games. They're losing their road games. Uh, In fact, they only have one road win at all this season. So um, Ken Palm 39, which is, you know, we sort of talked earlier about what that puts you. It'd be like if the season ended right now, it'd be like bottom of the what you would call a tournament team uh in fairness to them they they do sort of distribute the the points and the minutes they've got four players that are averaging double figures but the dude is definitely daniel arturu sophomore uh 610 big man plays like basically all the minutes uh marcus carr one of their guards averages like 38 minutes so he plays all the minutes but arturu plays like 35 or something like that. Um, but He's also super efficient down low. I don't know what he's shooting right now, but it's, it's like 70% for two, 75, something like that. So it'll be another, uh, it's sort of like uh see how MSU, if they can recreate the magic they did against Illinois, against this dude uh, Thursday night, um, that'll be uh, like, this is Bingham's opportunity to do sort of the same thing that he did against Coburn against uh, another big man in the big 10. So um, that that's sort of how I will watch the game. They really don't distribute the minutes. They get like an eight man rotation, but two of those dudes are like interchangeable wings. So they're already in like what you would call late season rotation form um, here in the fifth game of the big 10. So they also have a very hateable coach with a very dumb-looking face who I wouldn't want to be the coach of my team. And and they're at a
0: disadvantage because they will have to uh, enter the court normally instead of climbing up a step like they do at home. I want to see a game at the barn.
1: Is there a Big Ten arena that you haven't been to that you're really interested in visiting at some point?
0: So apparently the the Illinois uh, stadium is actually... um, you're like right on top of things.
1: Assembly Hall, Illinois, not Assembly yeah. Hall, Indiana. Yes, um, that's the one. I, uh, that would, that would be good. Uh, for me, it's the barn. It just seems like it's the most classic of all the Big Ten venues that are currently being used. Um, But we, we're digressing. There's also a road win, or a road win, <laughs> hope so, Uh against... Purdue, did you have anything you wanted to say against, uh, about, uh, about Minnesota? Or
0: No, but I will say this about Purdue. In their last game, they scored 37 points, which is five points more than Cassius Winston
1: scored against Michigan. <laughs> Dude, Purdue scores 37 points in a game. They're the Ken Palm-ranked 22 team in the country. I don't know how that's possible. They're 9-6 and six overall. They're Ken Palm-ranked 22. What is going on? I have no idea. Their biggest win is over VCU. Um, they also are two and two in the Big Ten, like uh Minnesota with home wins against Northwestern and Minnesota in double overtime. Uh but they have losses against Illinois and Nebraska, including including one just humiliating defeat. So um anytime where you're drawing a lot of since world war two style statistics, <laughs> which is not a good look losing 63 to 37 against a, an unranked team. Oof. Oof. Um, is there like a, you know how football statistics are like, this is the worst or best since the invita- since the, you know, the forward pass was implemented. Do they have that for basketball? Is there uh, such a, a thing?
0: Uh, maybe since peach baskets were turned into nets.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's like all I, <laughs> I,
0: I mean, uh, maybe since, uh, Bobby Knight was born. I, yeah. I mean, I,
1: the before it's, Bobby Knight and after Bobby Knight. That's how, uh, a- a- college ADBC. basketball. Yeah. Um, so it, I mean, Mackie still at the end of the day is a tough place to play and MSU hasn't won there since 2014. So, uh hopefully the team plays well on sunday right now it it seems like purdue is a team that msu should be beating if it i I mean it's an easy thing to say if you want to win the big 10 you got to win your home games and then you've got to steal some on the road and it seems like if msu is going to end up winning this league not just like sharing it but winning it you're going to have to start taking some of these types of road games. Um, Well,
0: and it seems like maybe Purdue is a place that's going to be a little bit easier this year than we thought it would be. Mm -hmm. So
1: yeah, they really struggle on offense. I mean that 37 points is they've got a good, a solid ish defensive team, but offense points, points don't come easy for that Purdue team and MSU. I mean, like we said, is Ken Palm number one offensive uh, team in the land. So, you know, hopefully they can just outscore them, outrun them on Sunday.
2: Yeah, keep it in transition
0: and uh, keep the crowd quiet. So, um, with that, folks, thank you for listening to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, and Grac. As always, go green,
1: go white, Michael, and but also. Uh, I got to bring up my tab with all the Nelly Furtado stuff. I think I closed it. Oh, uh, my God. B- b- go man eater.
0: No, no, no. You forced it. You forced <laughs> it and you ruined a perfect can't read or can't read, can't write moment of go green, go white.
1: Yeah, but I cut the podcast. So it stays with. You nope.
0: Know, uh, so, folks, I'm going to say go green to you and you just say go white back to me and pretend that Greg is not here. I'm taking auditions for a new co-host. Thank you all. And... uh Have a wonderful,
1: wonderful week. Go Nelly Furtado, Get Loose Tour 2006. Just cut
2: it. (laughs)